Good evening, beloved saints. Today is Tuesday, the 30th of November, and we will continue our study of the book of Daniel, chapter 6, a fascinating chapter to be sure. But before we begin, let us go to the throne of grace in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O good and gracious Father, we know that you work in all things for the good of your people. And yet when tragedies hit, like what happened last week in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and today in Oxford, Michigan, where death claims people who follow you and love you, it's hard for us to comprehend all of these wicked and evil things. Lord, we have not lost hope, for we know you are the anchor of our hope. And so we pray that you would be with those who have been affected, those who have lost loved ones. Especially do we pray for our president, Harrison, regarding his uh, nephews and niece, Lord. And we pray that you continue to work in the lives of the family that lost loved ones and those who have been wounded. And we pray that healing will take place. Bless our study in this, in this rich treasure of your holy word and strengthen us, O God, so that we might see the bright light even in the worst evil situation. Be present among us now and strengthen us for the sake of Jesus, the Lord of history and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Um, we are in chapter 6. I'm not going to read the text again since we met last week. And, uh, it begins with the story that um, Darius had chosen three top uh, honchos, and Daniel was the top of all. And the other uh, people who were there had uh, despised, you may say, out of jealousy and hatred, the... Um, Position that Daniel, and we are constantly reminded by the narrator, of course, Daniel, by the spirit here, that he's an one of the exiled that was brought to the kingdom. And what they had made, and I read the whole chapter one more time again tonight, what they had made is the intentional of making the king sign a decree that cannot be altered so that they can trap um, Daniel in the act. And, of course, they do, they succeed, and yet the end result does not justify their means, but the means of God. And so we do know that God is at work even when we don't see it. In this case, we have been to be told that it happened, but God is always behind the scene working and doing things for us. So, with that, I'll ask you to look at your handout. We're going to pick it up with question 17. And in that question, Jews usually uh, stood with their hands uplifted to heaven when they prayed. What does this posture tell you about Daniel? You can look at the text.
verses 15 and um, 10 and following, excuse me. You can look at the text <coughs> and see what it says there. And that should help you. with his window being open again and he's not being shameful or um, he's just doing what he always has done and looking towards God for the answer all the time? Okay, there's a specific word I was looking for. If you take a look at the question I asked and look at the text, what is being said? Jews normally stand up when they pray. What is Daniel doing? He's on his knees. So, with that in mind, good evening, Darlene. With that in mind, what does that tell us about Daniel? That's the key. That he's not Jewish. Say it. That he's not Jewish. But he's not a Jew? No. Think outside the box. We are on question 17. And the question is, Jews usually stood with their hands uplifted to heaven when they prayed. Okay. What does this posture tell you about Daniel? We're looking at chapter 6, verse 10. So normally... Because I've been to Israel many, many times. I grew up there. So the Jewish people will be doing this, okay? Daniel is kneeling. So what does that tell us about this man of God? I can see your brain running. Yeah, but it's not going anywhere, unfortunately. That's all right. <laughs> so I was going to say, most of us usually do pray on our knees. But what does that tell you, though? What does that posture tell you? Like reverence. Reverence is one. Second is humility. Standing up, putting your hands up, you say, look at me, I'm lifting prayers. This is one of the reasons the Lord, when he was on earth, he called the Pharisees and the scribes showing off constantly. Because that's how they would pray. That's how they would pray. And that's what... They said, you have long prayers. You can translate it, windy prayers, okay? Long, long prayers. But what does Daniel do? In humility, bows down. Reverence. You said the word reverence. In humility, he bows down and prays, okay? And um, if you ever watched Muslims pray, have you ever noticed how they pray? And if you... Have you ever watched a Muslim, how they pray? Isn't, are they all the way down on the ground and put their head down too? I'll show you. Here we are. Yeah. Hmm. It's submission to the Lord God. Total submission, meaning you are at the mercy of the one looking down at you rather than, you know. And... You know, one of the reasons we, we kneel 
is we change our mindset to pray. I wished we had kneelers in our church. They used to have, every church had them. Oh, really? And we've, we've lost that. We've lost that. I don't know if they've ever built it here with kneelers. I but was going to say Catholics always do that, right? I don't think they All of our churches, if you go to Germany, yeah. you'll see the Lutheran churches have kneelers. Hmm. There's a lot of churches, like we have the, um, both, uh, I want to say, both seminaries do in, in their chapels mm-hmm. that they have the kneelers. And it because it does show a posture of reverence. Of course, some people can't, which is understandable. But in that posture, you are saying to God, in essence, you are bigger than I am. And I'm not showing off to what my prayers are. And so that's, that's very, very helpful. Second, uh, following up with that question, um, we've talked about the first part already. What was the meaning of kneeling and still is? And the second part of what, does, what do his three prayer times remind us of? I never thought of that, but that's a good one. I didn't think about that, actually. I thought of something else. It was just their custom. I mean, that's what they did. But there is a reason for the customs. I don't know what the reason was. That's a good question. Hmm. That's why we asked the question. Was it 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock? Or when? They, that is a possible. I mean, Jewish normally prayed five times. So they did that, but three times because of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. Even in the Old Testament, you know, people who who understood Scripture understood because it talks of the plurality of God. And so it is helpful for us to remember, uh, first, the humility before God. You know, if you think of Moses when he, uh, by, in the burning bush, what did God ask him to do? Take God his shoes off. Sandals. Why? Because he was standing on He's standing ground. on holy ground. If you go to a Muslim today um, in a mosque, they take their shoes off, okay? Um, I have been in a synagogue, but I don't, it was in this country, so I don't, I don't believe they do that in Israel. Um, but I was in St. Louis at a synagogue too, and they did not. But Muslims still do they consider it's the holy ground. Now, uh, we, don't, we don't adhere to all of these laws uh, because that's how it was in the realm that God set it up before. We don't do that anymore because we don't have to. Jesus has fulfilled the law perfectly for us, okay? Because if we do all of these things, then we're living by the law rather than by the gospel, okay? Just, just as I am, I come, right? If I'm dressed with my suit, three-piece, with croissant on, uh, not, not croissant, but... Uh, croissage. Croissage, thank you, <laughs> croissant. <laughs> Thinking of food. But uh, that, as it may, uh, we have the opportunity, whether you come with shorts long sleeves, you know, whatever, slippers. But if you're a poor person who doesn't have shoes, 
you're still welcome in the kingdom of God. There's no distinction that way. But it does show reverence. You know, one of the things I've often said to people too, you know, this is outside the kingdom here. If I were to go and see the president of the United States of America, I would not go in flip-flops and I would not go in a pair of shorts or anything else. How much more? Now, I've never mandated that and I will not do that, but how much more when I'm coming to look at Jesus and how does that, um, you know, to set up for that position? So, uh, just, but the idea of praying three times, um, to add to what I have already shared, is that God was constantly on his mind whether he prayed morning, noon, at night, what was his thought about, you know, whether just the three times he ate, but it tells us specifically he was on his knees, which, of course, that's not uh, about food, but it was in the common uh, confession of faith that his Lord and his God is the God who really loves him and cares for him, okay? What is specifically mentioned about his prayers? What is not mentioned? Why does he pray towards Jerusalem? I think the reason why they prayed towards Jerusalem was because of the temple that was there. And it was to remind them that that's where their God dwelt or something like that. Uh, uh, repeat the first sentence. I said the reason why they prayed towards Jerusalem is because that's where the temple was. Bingo. That's the key word. That's the temple. Um, the temple stood for the presence of God. This is why when uh, children come into the church, I don't let them run because you are in the temple of the holy God. Okay, there is reverence in there. Um, and so it is very helpful for us. Um, and so uh, when he prayed toward the temple, he was calling upon God. Do me a favor and go to Psalm 121, please. Okay, somebody read that section there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep your, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Okay. Uh, The reason I had you read that, that is one of the psalm. It's called the Psalm of Ascent. 
Psalm 120 toward 133 is a psalm of ascent when the pilgrims would come towards Jerusalem from all the direction. And as you came, you would always look up. And what was up there is the temple of the Lord. Now, God, um, what Daniel is doing is the fact that he is looking to the promises of God that's flowing out of the temple. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we do know that that's the creation um, um, at work right here. And what is really important for us to realize, uh, Daniel is not superstitious in the sense, I have to do it this way, but it's according to the promises of God. God promised to be found in his temple. It's the same today. Where is God found today? Surely he's all, all over but he promised to be with us through his word and through his sacrament, okay? I'm not doing the Lord's Supper on a boat while I'm fishing, okay? Now, can God be with me out there? All the time. There's never a time where God, but, <clears throat> but he is where he's at because he promised to be there. He promised to be with us in his word. He promises to be with us in his sacrament. And where are they? In his holy temple. And that's not superstition. So that's the first part of the message that we are talking about right here, okay? So he, he prayed toward um, um, Jerusalem, okay? Now, what is specifically mentioned about his prayer? What is not mentioned about his prayer? He gave thanks before God. Thank you. He thanked God for his life. And we don't have the whole prayer, but we do know the footnote of that, that he had prayed to the Lord. Okay? What is not mentioned, now you have to think a little bit here. He continued to pray out of thankfulness and not worry as if he trusted God, even though was, there was his decree. I like this second part. One more point that I want you to really grasp. Daniel does not pray out of vengeance to destroy the lives of those. He knew because it's, uh, we are told that he immediately, as soon as they signed the decree, what did he do, right? As soon as this, uh, the decree was signed, he knew what that meant, right? So they set up for the, to trap him, but he did not pray, Lord, strike them dead. He did not pray that prayer out of vengeance or hatred. What he prayed is, thank you, Lord. And he was giving a witness. And there's no better testimony than to confess the faith. To live our lives in confessing the faith. That's how we live, by word and by deed. I don't need uh, a John 3.16 sign at a football game or a basketball game. Is it wrong? I'm not going to go that far. But is it necessary? 
Absolutely not. So what? I have the card. So look at me. I have this card. How does my life reflect how I live for God? And how do people see me in that view? I told you sometimes back, we are uh, Jesus with skin on, right? That's how we live. We are Jesus walking around for people to see us. And, you know, we do the best that we can as we live to serve God. Um, so there are three portions to this here, okay? So um, what, is the, what was the meaning of kneeling? And still, okay, no, we are on 19, sorry. Uh, 19. What is specifically mentioned about this prayer, his thanksgiving, what is not mentioned is the fact that he did not seek vengeance or to the destruction of the others. Why does he pray towards Jerusalem? Because that's what God promised. Now, what I said a moment earlier, it's still true. Uh, Daniel is not superstitious. We can pray from anywhere at any time. Think of Jonah from the belly of the fish, right? From the tomb. He was entombed in a fish, and God heard him, right? He cried to God from the middle of the fish, and God delivered him. So just to say that's the only way that uh, God answers prayers, that's not accurate, okay? We are limited God is not. He set the boundaries for us. This is what you can. This is what you can't. But God does not do any of these things. Okay? So take a look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 30. 1 Kings chapter 8. Chapter 8. Verse 30. This is the prayer of King Solomon. And in this prayer... He's praying to the Lord after the dedication of the temple. And um, Solomon says, And listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So we do have that even in the prayer of Solomon that to turn towards Jerusalem. We do know that, okay? But look where is God, not only in the temple, but when you're here in heaven. So the Lord constantly hears the prayers of his people, okay? Um, The question of 20, the officials spring the trap. What do they accuse Daniel? And you can take a look at the readings if you need to again so that you can grab a better picture. He said that he was praying to God for help. Okay. Read the text. Uh, Start with verse 10 
and read out loud again. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God Stop for just a moment. They went as what? A group. So it was a collaboration of people to trap him. Continue. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? Okay. So notice how malicious they were waiting for him. This is the trap, right? They are going to catch him in the act. It's kind of like if we talk about it today, we can put up cameras, right? And say, we're going to direct this camera at who's coming to this house so that we can set them up, right? And of course, if you go to the court now, if you set a trap for somebody, that's not permissible, you know, unless they know that you're setting a trap for them, which is another uh, matter. So... um, they, they spring the trap, okay? And what's the accusation, okay? We just read the text. But what is the accusation of Daniel? He's making a petition to somebody other than the king. Which is, you are right on target, which is what? Insubordination. He's what? I just said insubordination. Insubordination. He's being disobedient. He's violating the decree. He's not paying any attention to the king. Okay? All of these were, they were accusing him of. Okay? Um, <coughs> excuse me. They knew that... Um, you know, it was not an oversight or lapse of judgment on his part, okay? They knew that, um, but it was a repeated violation of the king's decree. And to put it in today's modern language, because of his disobedience, he was very rebellious against the king's decree. He was just outright rebellion. And even though uh, Darius could have um, given this situation to somebody else, he himself could not get out of the law of the Medes and the Persians. So that's that's why they added that footnote, which we talked about last time, okay? Uh, you know, they set up the trap. Look at question 21. But the one trap is really who? Darius. He is between a rock and a hard place. How does he feel? If you can look at the text, it will help you kind of unpack that a little bit. He's distressed. He is distressed, distraught, right? Despondent, downcast, right? All of these are truly um, effective things 
that um, um, the activities that's going on um, in the life of the king, right? He's distraught. We know that also of uh, Esther, right? The king was unable to sleep that night, and he actually sent word for the scribes to bring the records, and he found out that Mordechai was helping him, and he spared the Jewish people. What other thought comes to mind when you read this text, or what other event in history plays out before your eyes with this one? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, not after that. After that, Peter, after he denied his Lord, huh. you were right on Jesus. Hmm. What happens between Think, you guys. All right. If you go to John chapter 18 for a minute, please. John 18. Okay, we're going to pick it up in verse 28. Okay? Let me read and we'll get to it and you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh. You got it? Yeah. What? Um, the um, pilot was, he, he said, I, he's done nothing. What has this man done to deserve this? Right. So even, even Pilate said, wait a minute, I can't do this, right? And they began to cry out. We have a law, right? So let me just read, uh, beginning with 28, to capture the, the, this scene. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the, the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not being doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. They already condemned him. Okay? Similar to the people in Daniel. They already condemned him. They're already talking about death sentence. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus spoke had spoken to show but by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarter again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And he said uh, this. He went After he said this, excuse me, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you not, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cry out, they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Okay. Pilate is trying to get out from doing something to Jesus, right? Okay, and so he says, hey, we have a rule here. We can be merciful during this time. We can release one of the prisoners. So I give you a choice. Who do you want, okay? Barabbas or Jesus? And they cry, Jesus. How many of you guys heard me teach this before? What does Barabbas mean? Bar Abba, son of the father. Does that give you goosebumps or what? Okay, so they released the king of the Jews, but the son of the father, literally the king of the Jews, is taken captive. You talk about the irony of it, okay? So, and then we go to 29. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldier twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Okay. And so, um, um, after flogging him and doing all of these things, jumping into verse 6, uh, then the uh, 5 here. Uh, Behold the man, when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find what? You see the words, I find no guilt in this man. And we'll continue reading because it really captures the image. Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to the law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God, okay? Son of the Father. When Pilate heard the statement, he was... He was even more afraid, just like Darius, right? He's between a hard and rock place. He entered his, 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 he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Notice verse 12, please. Okay? From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the, Jew, the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are, no, you are not Caesar's friends. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now, 
It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, and away with him, crucify him. Okay. We, we also do know that his wife even came to him and said, Don't do anything. So you find yourself in an odd place, and this is where Darius finds himself. Now, Jesus, of course, have no hesitation being there because this is to fulfill what God sent him to do, right? God sent him to do these things. So when you look at Dan, um, both Daniel and Darius, Jesus and Pilate, you see the similarities big time, don't you? Yeah. We talked about how he feels. So, um, with that, then let's go to question 22. How do we know Darius did not want to do this? And why can't he find a way of escape? So take a look at verses 12 through 15, please. Not according to their statements at that time. You know, right now we have a president who does not um, honor the Constitution. But there was a time you could not do that. The same right here. The rules of the law, the law of the Medes and the Persians could not be uh, changed according to the decree. This is why they made him sign that decree rather than just sign his name. Because had it been his name, then he would have been able to say, I'm not doing it. But because he signed his name to the decree as according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, he could not get out of that one. What would happen if he did? That's the next question. What would have happened? He would have violated and probably had to resign his position. That's why the trap is set. You know, I, we read a big section of John 18 and 19 to show how difficult it was for Pilate to get out from that. Pilate was an emissary of Caesar, and the relationship with Caesar was not the best. So had he disobeyed, his life would have been at stake, okay? And had Darius disobeyed, he would have been in violation of the land. Overthrow, perhaps. I don't know all of the l rules of the Medes and the Persians, 
but um, it, it would have put him in a very, very bad position. This is why when we read verses 12 through 15, and they specifically remind him, right? They specifically remind him of the decree. So verses 12 through 15, they are adamant about this, okay? Then they came and said to the king concerning the decree, Your majesty, did you not sign a decree that any man who prays to any god or man for 30 days except to you, your majesty would be thrown into the pit of lions? The king answered, Certainly. The matter is, notice these words, the matter is like the law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then the king, when he heard this matter, was very upset about him, and he set his mind to save Daniel. So until sunset, he worked hard to rescue him. He tried, okay? Then 15, look at this here. Then these men came as a crowd to the king, just like they went to catch uh, Daniel as a crowd together, so it's um, safety in numbers, so they all come together, right? Uh, Came as a crowd to the king and kept saying to the king, understand your majesty that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that every decree or statue (coughs) that the king establishes cannot be changed. It's a decree. And so he's in a bad position, right? The trap is really on him, not so much on Daniel. Okay? So, with that in mind then, let's go to the question here. Uh, How do we know Darius did not want to do this? Why can't he find a way of escape? He didn't want to do it because he was trying to find a way out. Bingo. Number one, how do we know because the scripture testifies to this truth? That's number one and the biggest thing because the word of God does not lie. Okay, that's number one. So the word of scripture is always the absolute truth. Secondly, we do know that he tried everything in his power to get out of it. Okay. But sandwiched in between, according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, these people came to him to make sure, make sure that he does not change at all. Uh, We looked at verse 23. How was the same form of entrapment used by the chief priests against Jesus before Pilate? And they said to him, if you don't do this, you're no friend of Caesar's, right? So he was bound, even though he himself knew he was innocent, right? His wife told him, don't do anything to this man. He is innocent. She had a dream. Now, there is a legend that she became a believer. We, I don't know that for a fact, but there is a legend that she actually became a follower of Jesus, so it is, it is a very good possibility. I, I don't uh, put that away. But what is interesting enough that uh, the situation is so similar. Both are really trapped, right? Both are trapped big time um, uh, in the sense of 
how do they get out of something according to the law they can't? Pilate just said, I just find nothing wrong with him. You want to kill him, you do it. I'm not going to do it. Well, and that's why he beat him up and put the crown of thorns. He said, if I do this, that should be sufficient. That's not the goal any more than the goal right here with these people. They were setting out to destroy this man once and for all. Why? What's at stake? It's the same things with the Pharisees. What's bingo? They are afraid to lose power. This is one of the problems with our nation when you have congressmen or senators that can run and run and run and run and run and never get out. They have so much power, they can do anything and everything. Okay? I mean, it just whatever, I don't care who you name, whether Republican or Democrat, you know, they go in there and they don't get out. And then when they, do, when they do get out, they still get the full salary and the full benefit and a different kind of insurance than the rest of the people because they can set the laws. Okay? That's another, <coughs> that's another matter. How is Darius's actions with Daniel similar to Pilate's actions with Jesus? trying to help the person who was Bingo. Right on the money. They were trying to help them get out from this trap. Both of them, Darius could not go to sleep. Pilate attempted. He walked in. And what do we know about Pilate so adamantly trying to say, I'm not involved in this man's death? What was it about Pilate that spoke that way? There's one specific thing that Pilate did he washed his hand. I said, I wash my hand from this man. I don't want his blood to be upon me. And we know what? What did the people cry? Let his blood be upon us. And isn't that the sweetest prayer you can actually pray? Even though they did not know it, because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all your sins. Let his blood be upon us. I mean, that's the prayer we all pray because by the shedding of his blood, there is forgiveness, right? So they said it without knowing it, and yet we receive the blessings of that blood upon us. So did they all, they were all forgiven then? I don't know that for a fact, neither can I say I doubt it. And the reason I say I doubt it, they prayed for something they did not know they were praying for. So let me put it that way. Uh, were they forgiven? I don't know for sure, but I doubt it. And here is the reason. When Jesus rose from the grave, they tried to silence the guards by paying them blackmail money. Well, in order to receive that everlasting life, 
There has to be that belief that yeah, but he is I mean, they did not acknowledge him as Lord and God. Yeah. In matters like this, you know, we say we leave this in God's judgment because I really don't know the heart. We do know two of them became followers. Nicodemus is one, and um, who was the other? Ah, I'm blind. I'm blank right now. Joseph of Arimathea. Thank you. Thank you. Joseph of Arimathea. So that's part of the 70. So we do know they, were follow- they became followers because they took the body, they wrapped it, they prepared it, they buried it in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. So we do know those two. The others we don't, and I doubt it. But again, in matters like this, we say it's up to the Lord's uh, economy. I I don't want to sit in God's judgment to say, you know, I have an uncle, which I love dearly, but he say, you're going to go to hell because you don't believe in this. He says, how would you know that? You know, but I don't argue with him about it, but I just say, that's up to God. It's not for me, you know. Can we walk from faith? Sure. But I say that. All right. Uh, questions, be, uh, I think I'm going to stop right here. We're just about close to 8 o'clock. Didn't the time go by fast? How come? Any questions or comment on this, what we have discussed? I'm willing to listen. Just realize this, I guess, uh, maybe not a question, but a comment. Any time you try to trap somebody else, you're going to be the one found in it. We have an Arabic saying, Man hafara hufratan waqa'a fiha. Whoever dug a pit, he will fall right in it. Any time we try to trap somebody because we think we are better, we are fools for it. And... What we need to be is like uh, Daniel on our knees before God say, I'm a sinner, I need your grace. Because there's not a righteous man in the sight of God. And that's where the comfort comes in. We rely on Jesus for help. So let's close with the prayer. Blessed Lord Jesus, thank you for your written word that gives us hope and help in times of difficulties. Thank you for blessing us this time with the study. Be with Sarah and her children, Lord, as um, they uh, go, are going through some difficulties, and we pray for healing. Be with President Harrison and his nephew and niece and the school that has been affected with the shooting as well as in Wisconsin, Lord, the many families that still waiting for the loved ones to be healed. And be with us as we prepare to head home and bring us back tomorrow, Lord, as we gather both around um, a bite to eat and uh, a bite to eat spiritually. To that end, bless us and keep us safe on our way home. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. So.